Hello, and welcome to The Consumer VC. I'm your host, Mike Gelb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and consumer-facing startups. If you're a founder of a B2C business and currently fundraising, I run a private newsletter where I share companies to past the future guests of the show that I think are interesting. If you'd like to apply to be on the newsletter, head over to theconsumervc.com slash startup. Our guest today is Adam Cohen Aslati, founder and CEO of S'more, the dating app that is built for relationships. Adam has had an extensive career working in the online dating industry and the advertising world. He walks us through why S'more is different, how he thinks about bringing inclusivity to online dating, and how he successfully fundraised. Without further ado, here's Adam. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I am surviving this crazy COVID time in the world and trying to get people to fall in love with one another with those extra minutes that they have in in a day. So, well, I'm doing well considering. I love what you're building with S'more. Tell me a little bit about your initial interest to the online dating space. Yeah, my initial interest started when I was a graduate student at Harvard. I was 23 and I found it very challenging to meet students from different campuses. They have 12 graduate schools. So I petitioned the provost to give me some money to help to solve that problem. And so uh, they gave me $25,000 and I ended up building a website that would match graduate students across campuses and people in areas that were different in field of interest for them. Then we hosted these speed dating events. And if there's someone that you liked and they liked you and there was a mutual match, your, your email addresses would automatically be exchanged. And that was in 2008, so pre all those apps out there. Um, and then from there, I went to go work for a company called Kpasa, which was the largest Hispanic social discovery site in South America and Mexico and was gaining traction in the US. Uh, so went there to understand marketing and ad distribution partnerships. That company bought a a U.S. competitor called My Yearbook. Today, that company is known as The Meat Group. So I spent about five years there. I worked in ad tech for a little while to monetize uh, different types of apps. And then from there, I ended up being the managing director of a company called Chappie, which is Bumble's gay dating app, uh, which is part of the Magic Labs family of apps. So I've been around a very long time, well, very long, 10 years, I've consulted for a lot of companies that I have not mentioned because I can't really mention them, but I've always been interested in you know, bringing people together and forming uh, important and meaningful connections. And I'll pause there, but there's sort of an impetus that got me into actually creating S'more um, because I was not intending to be still in the dating space. I wanted to gracefully exit. So, so let's talk about S'more. Like what was the insight that you were finding working for a variety of different types of dating apps, what was the one, what was the insight that led you to founding S'more? Yeah, so I guess the insight is most dating apps don't work. So most, which is, I think people know that. I mean, it sounds funny, but if you've ever used a dating app, you know that you literally need to go on hundreds of dates and look at thousands of people and swipe past maybe tens of thousands of people to find one. Because the mechanic is not really set up for efficiency. It's set up for hot or not, or, you know, you know, softcore porn, like who's cute and who's not. Um, And so while that's fun, and I think a lot of people enjoy it, if you're truly interested in a relationship, you cannot really judge someone just based on the way they look. And unfortunately, we've been conditioned as human beings in the era of apps to do that. 
So how do you reinvent the wheel of dating where you can actually get to know someone before passing judgment based on a photo? Um, so we always knew this existed from user feedback, but the real reason I started, how I actually started the company is I met a woman on the beach in Cabo. Uh, it was a soul searching trip for me. Uh, I was trying to figure out what to do next. And this woman, she was 35, she was African-American, and she was telling me that as a woman, she felt compelled to put a version of herself out there that she knew was not real, that she knew was inauthentic. But she felt as though that she had to compete with other women for the attention of a man. And if every other woman is airbrushing photos and, and doing these things, she felt like to be competitive, she needed to do the same thing. So that's kind of where it came from. She said, why, what is it, why do I have to lead with something that's not real, that's not me? Um, you kind of get into this vicious cycle and that's where she was. And I thought, hey, we could solve her problem. We can actually get her into these great conversations without having men judge women or women judge men or women judge women or men judge men. First of all, I love that. I was just thinking that we haven't yet talked about online dating on this show. However, what we, what we actually focus a lot of the time um, on in these types of social applications is the end of the hype cycle um, in social and about how social media is much more about media rather than social and you kind of put yourself a fake, you know, kind of a thing about you and what's gonna get the most like likes or something like that. And it seems like what you're describing is something that might be happening also in the dating as well and what you're trying to create more authenticity in that way. Is that is that a fair comparison? Yeah, I think that we've all been conditioned to judge things and people based on a photo. That's the whole Instagram world that we live in. And it's gone so detrimental, detrimental to the health of society that even Instagram and Facebook realizes it and they're getting rid of likes and YouTube is getting rid of view counts and we become obsessed with a number but ultimately that number is meaningless. The connection, the human connection is what is the most meaningful and we have fewer actual real connections. So we're trying to add back in that human element into dating, which really didn't exist in online dating. And we've gotten further and further away from that. We're trying to bring you back to it, bring back, you know, if you can meet one amazing person, it's worth it. That makes a lot of sense. What I think is interesting about yours, it seems like there's a lot more time spent online before you get to that level to actually meet the per a person in a public setting. It's fair to say, and in an era of COVID, it's actually very helpful, right? Silver lining is that, yeah, people are spending more time at home, but they have time. So time is no longer an excuse. You could virtually date someone for a few weeks and a few months and not complain to someone, you don't have time today. You actually have time today. So get on an app and start meeting people and have meaningful conversations. Our app was set up in such a way where we weed out a lot of these bad actors, we weed out all these catfishers, we weed out a lot of people who are interested in you know, a quick hookup because it's actually quite difficult to register for S'more and to verify an account on S'more. And we, when we put in all those hurdles, we get rid of all those scammers, which actually ends up with a much higher quality community and that leads to more conversation and more relationships. That makes a ton of sense. Talk to me about the very early stages when you started S'more. Yeah, so I knew when I met that lady on the beach, I knew that I could solve her problem. And for myself, I would feel good about just mapping it out on a piece of paper or you know, creating a product. I had no intention of building anything, literally. This was not, I never thought about becoming an entrepreneur. I like running companies. I like growing businesses. Starting from zero is a scary thing. And so I went up to my room. Uh, I was in a hotel. I took two days to build the whole product. And I literally you know, built this whole thing, all the logic for the app. 
I came home. I, you know, my husband said, how was your trip in Mexico? I said, great. I built a product and, you know, here's my product. And he says, oh my God, that's amazing. You need to build that. And, you know, we, we fought about it for two months <laughs> because I didn't really want to build it. I, I just, I never really wanted to go down that risky path of being an entrepreneur. And he basically had convinced me that the world needs s'more. And by the way, s'more stands for something more. And something more is the number one term that people use when they give feedback on dating apps. And if people are using this term and if people are single like never before, it's because of partially these apps have prevented us from being in real relationships at scale. To get there takes so much time and effort. And this allowed you to do it in a very authentic way. So yeah, we just, I self-funded the company. I started to build the app uh, in-house. And then I started to think about, you know, who, who do I know that's rich? <laughs> who, could, who could give me a few dollars? And then I just kind of went from there. And one cold emailing people, cold LinkedIn-ing people, and I ended up raising over a million dollars pre-product. Did you have a VC network? I mean, look, I'm, I'm fortunate to have grown up in an upper middle class world, but um, nobody really wanted to give me money. <laughs> so it wasn't like I had a network to really tap into. And I also feel felt awkward, honestly, truly, asking family and friends. We didn't do a family and friends round. We went right into a pre-seed round. And by the way, I didn't even know what these terms were. I knew I needed money. So to me, it's like, I don't really want to ask my friends or family because I don't want to potentially be beholden to like losing their money. So I went to people I didn't know. I felt more comfortable doing that. And that's how we raised our, our first round. Talk a little bit about your strategy fundraising. So look, I went to Harvard. I know people that you know are well-connected, but I'm just not the kind of person that feels comfortable asking for things. If they were really good friends, that's one thing. And so I said, okay, after reading about how people have fundraised and deciding I don't want to do what everyone else does, I've never been the person to conform to what you're supposed to do. I've just never been. And it's not that I intentionally try to break rules, but everyone, you know, the tips for raising money and the five things you need to know to do, like, I just, it sounds like bullshit. It just, I don't believe in it. I think everyone has a unique story. Everyone has a unique path and that's what makes it cool and different for each person. And so I just took everything with a grain of salt. Um, and honestly, what I did was, I said, what makes me unique? Why am I different? Uh, because if I'm going to tell a story about my brand and my company, I need to know what sets me apart. So here are the different things. I went to McGill for undergrad. I went to Harvard to gra for graduate school. Great. I'm Canadian. My father was born in Israel. I'm gay and I know about dating. So then I start researching, okay, who invests in Israeli founders, Canadian founders? What does the McGill alumni network look like? What does the Harvard alumni network look like? What are VCs that have invested in either chatting apps or dating apps in the past? And so that's really where I started my search. And then from there, I ended up creating a list, going on to LinkedIn, connecting with a bunch of random people that I did not know. And we're kind of where we are today because of it. Wanted to know as well, so you obviously had this idea where you create this dating app that it doesn't evolve around the picture. Dating apps, it seems like it's a, a very competitive landscape. When you were thinking about starting your app, how are you kind of approaching everything else that's going around? Because of course, you've been in this business for 10 years. The first differentiator for us is we're not a dating app. We're building a brand. So that's the first thing. If you think you're building a dating app, good luck to you. I wouldn't invest in a dating app personally. I want to invest in a brand that means something to a person that is not transactional, meaning you're not coming there, getting your thing and leaving. We're building a community. 
Now it happens to be rooted in relationships, maybe they're more romantic, but we also are building out a very strong friends uh, feature in our app or, or like a friends positioning in the app. So once you find someone, you can then use our app to stay connected with other people in your community. So it's much more than a transactional kind of an app. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, yes, there's a lot of dating apps out there. The reason why the majority of them tend to fail is you, you don't understand the, or they don't tend to understand the concept of a network. It's unlike any other app category because you literally need a network in a city or a small geographical area for it to function. So even if you have a great idea for an app, the two biggest issues are three biggest things that you need to succeed in this industry. One is a brand that people actually resonate with. Two is you need to create valuable features. But three is you need to know what the business model of the industry. And the business model starts with the network. And if you don't have a network, you can never have a dating app. So if you do scattered acquisition, you end up failing before you start. Um, so I kind of knew this going into it. A, how to build up a network beforehand, how to cost efficiently build that up, how to monetize. So we really set Smore up to be a very large company from day one. Um, and I think that that's also, you know, when I think about other startups, I always compared myself to the three biggest dating apps in the industry. I only looked at those guys and I said, I'm going to be you. That is it. I don't care about anyone in the middle. It's all or nothing. And I think that that mentality has also got us to where we are today. How did you, in the early stages, how did you think when you're thinking about this network and developing this network, how are you thinking about your actual go-to market strategy? Yeah, so marketing is my thing. Um, I love marketing. In my career, I always try to figure out different ways to emotionally connect with people. So it's much, more, it's much less of the meet group, which is very kind of performance marketing focused. And it's much more like a Bumble, you know, where Bumble's built an amazing brand for themselves. We want to build a brand that people love and they talk about and it becomes part of the cultural conversation. And so understanding how you brand build is fundamental to S'more. And so just give you, you know, one quick anecdote, we wanted to build a brand with a personality. So aside from a cute little S'more, um, which by the way, represents the layered cookie, getting to know all the layers of a person, right? Also has the equality sign in it, which is the top and the bottom of the cookie but it's held together by a chat icon, which is our marshmallow, because without conversation and communication, you don't have a relationship. So everything that we do brand-wise is very intentional. Each feature that we build in our app is very intentional. And so one of the things that we wanted to do was to, build, to, to be a fun, loving brand. So we created an Instagram Live celebrity dating show really early on. Um, we've shot 17 episodes and every week we interview a really fun celebrity model or reality star. And that helps to propel our brand by using their brand to uh, accelerate our own growth. How do folks interact on S'more or, or, or meant to interact on S'more? Yeah, so we had to create a very visual experience without showing photos. How in the hell do you do that? Um, it's really quite a challenge. So what we want to do is we want... Again, I designed this app with millennials in mind, so I wanted to create a MySpace vibe. The reason for that is because if, if anyone who's listening ever remembers MySpace, your space and MySpace did not feel like the same space, which is precisely why we actually spent time reading it and going through it, listening to music and interacting with the different things. But dating apps have become very commoditized. Everyone's profile literally looks identical, and the only visual difference is your photo, and that's what we pay attention to. So knowing and understanding that psychology, I, need to make, I needed to make the profiles visually look different. 
So our entire profile is all movable. You take your finger and you can move icons around your entire profile. You can move, you can add music to your profile. You can add a voice recording to your profile. You can add videos that are locked and social media connections that are locked. So anytime someone comes to your profile, as they begin to interact with you and tap on different things, your photos automatically respond to that. And once you've shown enough interest, then you can send a message. Only when the person replies to you does the photo completely unblur. So that's kind of the, the, the main mechanics of it. And then also we've introduced blurred video dating, which is super cool. Video dating is not novel. Everyone has it, but we blur it. And why do we blur it? Well, a few reasons. The data shows, and my experience has shown, women tend to not like video dating very much. It's been around for about five years, and women have often found it invasive, offensive, uh, security risk, because on some dating apps, men whip off their whatever, and they're just, it's sketchy. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It could be very sketchy. And so, but because of COVID, it sort of became the default way to get intimate with someone. So how, if they're going to use it, how do we make sure that women feel comfortable? By the way, everyone should feel comfortable using dating, uh, video dating, not just women, but they specifically did not like it. And so by blurring the video for the first two minutes, the woman is able to say, okay, this conversation is going well. I like where it's going. Let me unblur the video now and see where he is. Instead of revealing your apartment, your bedroom, something that's very personal to you, to a random person. And what has happened is, because you have this, in a way, it's a gimmicky thing, it actually increases your conversation length because you're dying to see what the person looks like. And it encourages you to have a meaningful back and forth, which is actually quite fun. And it's not awkward. It reminds me a little bit, I know it's a big uh, Netflix show, Love is Blind. Yeah, so our app launched in beta in January and Love is Blind launched in February, the, the television, the Netflix show. So it actually was perfect timing for us. And the press right away took the concept of Love is Blind and said, hey guys, S'more is the Love is Blind app. If you want to experience Love is Blind, download S'more. And honestly, it's true. We are that version because we believe that you'll have much better conversations with people and you'll give them a shot at love. It sounds so, so cheesy when I say it out loud, but Ultimately, you don't really give people a chance on all these swiping apps. You're just judging them based on a headshot. But our, our biggest success case and our first success case came from an African-American woman. And she only dated black guys, would not even look at a white guy or an Asian guy, only did black guys. And she connected with this person on S'more and she liked hip hop. This person liked hip hop. She heard his voice. She's like, oh, he's so sexy. I need to, I want to, I want to chat with him. She started chatting with him and over time his photo unblurred and she realized that he was this, an Asian guy, an Asian American. And she says, wait, this is weird for me because I've never been with someone who's not black. Meanwhile, they're now a couple. So this is what I'm talking about. We're judging people based on very limited information. When you let your guard down, that's when you're much, a, much easier to get into relationships and you never know who you'll end up being with. That's an amazing story, you know, especially during these times. I think that's so important as well. Where did you first launch? So we launched in Boston and DC um, as our sort of beta cities. And then we launched in New York right after that. Uh, then we moved in Chicago and we recently launched in LA. So we're now live in five cities. So how are you thinking about market expansion? So you need to have a network in a city before you actually enter that city. And so what we found when we first launched our app in DC and Boston, we didn't really anticipate getting so much media attention. If you Google S'more right now, we're a tiny company, right? We're 50,000 users on the platform. 
we have like 60 articles were published about us. We've been in the Wall Street Journal numerous times, the Washington Post numerous times, TechCrunch numerous times. Uh, people love the love is blind sort of concept and all the fun things that we're doing, which is wonderful. And so what has happened is we've got a lot of organic installs that were out of our target cities. So what do you do with all these people that aren't live? We're not live in their cities. So they're downloading the app, they're registering, and they actually can't use it. So we created S'more Explore, which allows you to distance state. So now everyone who downloads our app can actually use our app, but we're not actively you know, introducing new cities or new people in new cities. But if you download it, you can meet someone in a nearby city. And so we call it S'more Explore. And that allows 100% of people who download our product in the US to take advantage of the Love is Blind experience. And because of COVID, 30% of people who are on dating apps say that they will date someone outside of their city or they'll consider dating someone outside of their city uh, because they're not really gonna meet them in the real world anyways right now. I was actually gonna ask you if folks that are outside their city can actually meet one another. How are you also thinking about other features that promote inclusivity? So we've been sort of at the center of a conversation, I will put it, around the concept of having race filters in dating apps because the majority of legacy large dating apps have race filters and it allows you to filter out for your ethnic preferences or your, or your origin uh, preferences. And so there's obviously a debate happening in our country right now about, you know, cultural sensitivity and understanding other races, especially the African-American community. And our app fundamentally didn't believe in having race filters and the majority of apps out there that are large, not only have race filters, but charge for them. And the way that most people are using these race filters is they're filtering in white people, which is great unless you're not white. And then that means less exposure for ethnic minorities. And so what happens is your understanding of those groups and potentially dating those groups goes down. And that's what leads to a lot of misunderstanding of various ethnic groups in the country and around the world. And so what we want to say is you may have a preference, you may have a bias and that probably started when you were much younger, but dating apps shouldn't perpetuate those biases. We should get rid of these race filters and we should allow people to interact and get to know one another based on more than a pretty face or based on more than your skin color. And that's why S'more really fits into the cultural conversation because we're pushing that forward. Um, and I think that's really important, not only for understanding, but hey, you may be single because you really are meant to be with an African-American person or with an Asian person and you only date a white guys. You don't know what you don't know. So stop having preconceived notions about people and races and attitudes and just have a conversation. Just give someone a shot because you never know that will, that will, that will end. Um, so we're really passionate about talking about this point as well because we want to not only create a great brand, but we want to push the industry forward. And there's a lot of things that we can do better. We can weed out scammers. There's no reason to have catfishers on dating apps. We have the technology today but a lot of those scammers and catfishers and uh, prostitution rings and um, erotic massage parlors or whatever it is, they're paying users on these dating apps. So for some businesses, there's a business reason to keep them there. But really we should be focusing on the better experience and, and making sure everyone's verified. So there's a lot of cleanup that we need to be doing in our industry. And even though S'more is a challenger brand, I've worked for the leaders and I'm, I'm happy to challenge them right now because we can all do better and in the end, we all win. So I think that that's sort of the main premise of S'more. We're a mission-driven company 
here to make relationships better for the whole industry, not just for our own app. Wow. I, I didn't know that about the race filters. I think that's really fantastic what you're doing in your approach. Since we're living in quite divided times, I'm just curious, has there been any negative response on S'more for not being able to filter the type of race you want to match with? So there hasn't been any negative responses. I think in, in by and large, the public doesn't really want race filters on it. Um, in their mind, they know that it's the right thing to do, and they really should be exploring just beyond their comfort zone. And I think that's a very healthy thing to do. I also understand that I'm a Jewish boy from Montreal, right? I understand that some cultures want you to date within your own group, and even there, there might be just cultural or religious preferences. I get that, and I'm I'm on board for that, by the way. So if you want to be dating a Jewish person, there's J-Date. If you want to date a Muslim person, there's Muzmatch. If you want to go to date a, you know, a religious, spiritual person, Christian Mingle is a good place to go. So there actually are dating apps that cater to those niche markets because we know that you want to you know, be with someone from that culture. But to take a mainstream dating app, which is meant for everyone, for everyone to understand one another and to divide us up based on the color of our skin and religion, just doesn't seem right in 2020. I think that we need to move way past this and to start finding out what's common between us, not what separates us. I completely agree. And I think it's interesting how I really liked how you put it in terms of how actually how actually these two things can coexist. What's what's one book that inspired you personally and one book that inspired you professionally? I haven't read a book in a very long time. I have to be honest with you. I read, I read a lot of newspapers and I read a lot of magazines. But, you know, I think one book that inspired me personally is Freakonomics. And that was like a really old book. But it allows, you know, when you read a book like that, you just, it just changes your thinking. It changed the way you view just the regular daily things. You're analyzing occurrences in a different way. And I think, especially in the dating space, we're often analyzing behaviors. But the behavior of a, a straight man, a straight woman, and a gay man are all different. So you start thinking differently about how to analyze someone and what they may be thinking. And that, that book really has helped me um, from that perspective. And I don't know, actually, that probably has worked both personally and professionally. One thing that I like from a, a professional standpoint is the book Getting to Yes, which is a book that a lot of people le- uh, read in law school. So it's essentially the art of negotiations. And oftentimes, you're negotiating with people all day long. Um, and to go along with that, Difficult Conversations, that's another book, another law school book that a lot of people read. Difficult Conversations is very helpful in the real world, and it helps us to confront people um, in awkward or challenging conversations, and that could be both personally and professionally. What the takeaway is, is if you don't deal with an issue, it doesn't get better. It gets much, much worse. So nip it in the butt when you can. And there's different strategies to have these conversations. I, I think all three of those books are, are, are excellent um, examples. What's one piece of advice to fellow founders that are looking to build a company? Every day, I feel like I'm coming to battle. I have to put my armor on and I feel like I'm dodging, dodging daggers all the time. And, you know, some people say they're putting out fires. I literally feel like I'm going to be stabbed by someone. I feel physical pain. But the, here's the thing, you know, you have really bad days and you have really bad hours. And sometimes it feels like a very lonely place to be an executive or to be a founder because I don't have a co-founder. There's no one really that knows what I'm going through but me and other founders of other companies. So, you know, if you can surround yourself with other entrepreneurs who've done this before, and I've done that myself. I've tried to, even in my own industry, I've actually reached out to founders of companies like Raya, uh, who I know the founder pretty well. And I said, look, I 
think that I'm going to jump off a cliff. <laughs> what do I do? And have you felt this way? Because I feel like I'm, everything's falling apart. Nothing really works. There's scotch tape on this. And, and what do we do? And you just need to walk yourself off the ledge sometimes and have these conversations. Look, I'm not curing cancer. And I think that that puts you into perspective. I'm helping people find love, which I think is really admirable, but I'm not keeping, keep, keeping someone alive. And so when I put that into perspective, I could actually go to sleep at night. I don't have to take my whole, you know, anxious world and all the things that are on my mind to bed. And I think it's, it's hard to, to compartmentalize, you know, your life, but it's important to do, especially if you want to have a personal life. Uh, so, but never stop, continue to go. People will say things. If you're on an app, you'll get bad ratings one day. You'll have horrible conversations. If you believe in it yourself, you'll continue and you'll be successful. You cannot let people pull you down. And look, you know what? Celebrate the wins. It's hard for me. I'm not the kind of person to say, okay, we've been live for six months. We have 50,000 people. We're generating revenue. You know, we launched like all these different things sound great. I don't, I'm not the kind of person to celebrate wins. For me, it's a challenge. And I actually have people from my company that come to me and say, hey guys, we should have a party. We've been live for six months. Let's celebrate our accomplishments. Let's just take a minute and reflect because what we've done, 99% of companies have failed to get to where we are. And it's important to put that into perspective because everyone should share in your wins. And I think that that helps to create good culture as well. Love it, love it. I think that's, that's, that's excellent advice. Adam, this has been such a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, I really appreciate it. This has been really fun. Thank you so much for having me. And again, if anyone's interested in S'more, personally or professionally, check out s'moredate.com or at s'moredate on Instagram. And there you have it. It was such a pleasure having Adam on the show. You can download S'more on the App Store and follow on Instagram at s'moredate. If you could please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app as it helps other folks find it, that would really be helpful. If you have a question you'd like to hear VCs or founders answer on the show, you can DM me and follow me on Twitter at Mike Gelb. You can also follow for episode announcements at ConsumerVC. For all episodes, please visit the ConsumerVC.com. Thanks again for listening, folks, and please stay safe.